Enough poppycock, I just want some quailers. <laughs> We're here to talk about trains. Sort of quailers, a caster, do phrase from phone check. <laughs> Are we in a silly enough mood that we can um, start? I th- I it's think me, Kawailu <laughs> Zaycaster. That's Q-U-A-A. I think we could record a podcast, yeah. Oh, God. I, I, don't, I don't think many people even remember Dufres from Phone Jack. It's a very laser-targeted bit there, yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. we should do? Let's do this. Let's have, after the ending theme song, let's just have... The last like forty five seconds, just so just mm. so people can hear this madness. <laughs> All right, for the real heads who listen to the whole theme song every time, mm. an end credit scene. Hello and welcome everybody to this episode of TF. It's the free one. Uh, it sure. Is I remembered what day of the week it is. Congratulations, Milo. <laughs> Yet again, you are uh, proving yourself to be uh, the, the most together man in Britain. That's fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Britain, like, 20, 28 days later, but yeah, yeah 28 Morgan, days later, but you're the only one who knows what day of the week it is. Everyone else. Right. Mm. And uh, look, it's, it's the episode that is uh, all about uh, the... Uh, the man who broke British daytime TV. Uh, that's Anthony right. Anthony Costa from Blue. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Anthony <laughs> Gino Costa. Gino Yeah, we're talking mm. about Anthony Costa from Blue, uh, who is... Why do uh, we not? Yeah, of course. Uh, who is uh, uh, leading the rail strikes that are going on uh, up and down the country uh, that are going to, of course, uh, be potentially uh, spreading out into more sectors. And to speak about this subject, we have, once again, TF Rail Correspondent Toot Toot. It is Rail Natter's Gareth Dennis. Gareth, how's it going? I'm very well, thanks. I'm, I'm in the lounge, and I can tell that you were the one who last stocked the cupboards, because rather than a little bottle of water, there are like six bottles of Malvasia just in a little pile. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for that, Riley. Yeah, ex- oh, no, you know what? Uh, look, for, for our repeat guests, nothing but the best uh, sort of like mm. high-end Italian whites that are food-friendly. Crucially. Yeah, because Gareth, you're now allowed in the Trash Future Executive Lounge. Um, you're getting access to uh, free orange juice. Well, we actually, we mm-hmm. have our, our snacks in the Executive Lounge. Uh, we actually had uh, Ferran Adria of El Bulli consult uh, on, on, on making them. I mean, look, they're made by you know, normal chefs, like, like people in the kitchen we employ, but like, his creative juices are in there, and you can tell. Yeah, that's what he calls it. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's what that yeah. was. Oh, that, that, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure he could probably sell that. Anyway, it's uh, it's uh, Milo, Riley, and Alice. Uh, we are mm-hmm. joined by by Gareth, and we are going to talk all about the strikes. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to do it in sort of uh, three ways. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to do uh, one one concept served three ways, like like an egg at El Bui. We're going to do it three ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, f- f- first, the emulsion. Second, the reduction. And third, yeah, uh, the startup round. <laughs> That's right. Third, three, the, the three-way round. egg. Can you guess what this I, egg is and what it does? Yeah, this is an egg that reminds me of going to the mountains with my uncle when I was a boy. How much was this egg valued on the stock market? I hate when I go to a fancy restaurant and they make me guess the purpose of an egg. Yeah, it's like guess how many sweets in the jar. Guess the weight of the guy. You know, guess yeah, the purpose yeah, yeah. of the egg. Yeah, of course. What do you what do you think this does? Just holding an egg, and then and then Wittgenstein's there. Like, what can be the purpose of an egg? <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Look, look. 
uh, we can talk about purposes of eggs when there's not something politics are happening in a very real mm. way in a way that they haven't mm. in quite a while holding the mm. politics the, out in front of you and being like what do you think the this egg, is? much like exactly. the economy is now real yes mm. oh, uh, no. there is a once i feel like not the kind of restaurants riley goes to is <laughs> there's there's a once again there is a what appears to be a, a struggle uh to Recognize as uh, a real class yes. struggle. I, I think it's mm. it's it is that, but I think it can also be interpreted as the um at least on on the airwaves. Let's say because we're going to start with talking about the media portrayal of the strikes and mm. how um and specifically how uh, the general secretary of the RMT uh, Mick Lynch just basically uh, humiliated every single British TV broadcaster over the course of a morning. Off the top rope. <laughs> With the folding chair, uh, with the stair ladder, yeah. like any yeah. number of these things. Using this one weird trick, which is refusing to engage when they say something obviously stupid. <laughs> yeah, and just going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Oh. No. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what actually is going on, what all of the different parties want, uh, and then we're going to end on what, what on the sort of all of the inflation scaremongering, what that really means, and why um, uh, train workers or postal workers or uh, uh, in the case of people who just voted to go on strike today, uh, uh, BA workers at Heathrow is actually more money in your pocket as well. And we're going to sort of... Yeah, why, why, it's, why it's good, yeah. uh, why? not only because it's based, but also it's and like a good thing for the economy. Exactly. So let's, let's start out with uh, just a little bit of a, a refresher of, of what's going on. Uh, if you're in Britain, you'll know, of course know all about this. Uh, but yeah, if you're in Britain, uh, you or someone you know will be furious about this. Absolutely. Um, uh, but uh, Gareth, can you just give us a quick pricey of what's going on before we go into the uh, looking at the kind of media psychodrama that's played out around it in the last uh, few days and weeks? Yeah. So, um, so like a couple of weeks back, twenty-five thousand people voted within the RMT to go on strike. Um, in the railways, which um, that's a pretty hefty mandate. For, bearing in mind the UK has like just been had its unions totally obliterated over a succession of decades. For that kind of mandate, that's a lot of people who are pretty pissed off. And that meant that this week we've had three days. That's like eighty-seven percent, right? That's like a huge, enormous, mega like, a, an absolutely yeah. enormous. Yeah, it was like yeah, exactly, like the, a, a, a vast majority, like a bigger mandate than any politician has seen for a very, very long time. Uh, huge. And, and as a result of that, we've had, uh, and it's crucial to sort of say who the people who've gone on strike are, because a lot of the bullshit that we're about to talk about is as a result of deliberate misdirection as to who's striking. But the people who are striking uh, for three days this week, so it was Tuesday, uh, today of, and day of recording, um, and then again on Saturday, uh, is about 50,000 uh, frontline railway workers. So we're talking, we're not talking train drivers. There are a couple of train drivers, but they are a, a tiny minority. It's mostly people like signalers, so the people who make trains not crash into each other. Um, it's like... Uh, well, who needs them? Unimportant. <laughs> well, yeah. Here's the thing, a, a preview. Hey, the, the Eurocrats in Brussels have been trying to tell us not to crash trains <laughs> each other for too long. I think put the jackass boys in charge of the railways and let's fucking Green go. Well, that's the, thing. The, the, the great British tradition of like gas lamp wooden carriages smashing into each other. Yeah, bring back dust, Potter's yeah. Bar. <laughs> One of the things that the yeah. government wants to do is that, but uh, Gareth, please uh, go on. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, it's signalers, it's track workers who like Milo just so much just all of the people are clearly extraneous mm. uh, so the track workers who maintain the track yeah. and stop who needs operation track? yeah you don't need it <laughs> um 
uh, cleaners, uh, so sort of st- station attending staff, like just a huge fifty thousand people. Bearing in mind, like for scale, uh, Network Rail, which is the, the 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 government body that actually owns and manages the infrastructure in the the rail infrastructure in the UK, uh, only employs about forty two thousand people. So fifty thousand people. It gives you an idea of scale. It's depending on who you read as to the size of the rail industry. That's as, as it's almost half the rail industry. Uh, so it's a huge number of people striking over over these three kind of twenty four hour periods. And. And they're doing this because, and I, I, I'm checking my notes here to make sure I've got this right. They hate Britain yep. and the armed forces, yeah. love Putin, um, and also want to stop nurses going to work and children sitting exams. Is that? Is yeah, that yeah. Right? And also, uh, random. Depending okay, on which good, local good. news channel you're talking to, some random guy who's got a heart operation and has had to pay two hundred pounds for a taxi to get from, uh, I don't know, Little Fotheringham to to Maidley or some some random place that no one cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, it's worth saying. Yeah, ever, ever since they closed the general hospital, a big yeah, fothering. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's worth saying as well, right? In the that, pocket of big fothering. It's worth it's worth saying as well, right? <laughs> that um, you say you wonder, ah, well, they should, uh, it's, uh, they shouldn't go on strike because this one person needed to pay two hundred pounds to get to a hospital. But surely, it's important to have a rail industry, so. 98% of the time they don't need to pay 200 pounds to get to the hospital. It's it's amazing how many people yeah. and, and I I had a chance on BBC Radio York. Milo this is going to screw you not you'll love this. I had a chance on mm-hmm. BBC okay. Radio York to quote Lenin. Um mm-hmm. and I didn't tell them that I was Fantastic. quoting Lenin but I did it anyway, which was um to just say because there are a lot of people saying oh you know I so, I understand the plight of the workers. I understand the workforce is sad. Uh, but they shouldn't strike. And I was like, well, no, so you don't support the unions because saying that you support the unions, but you don't support striking is like the ha- is like the hangman is supported by the hangman's rope. You know, it's not, it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is me garbling <laughs> up a Lenin quote, which I was very pleased to do on local, yeah. local radio. They were like, Gareth, why are you speaking Russian? Yeah. <laughs> What's <laughs> happened? <laughs> uh, but so what we essentially have, right. And, and one of the reasons that this has all happened, of course, is uh, I mean, there are immediate causes and uh, sort of um, more ultimate causes, right? I would just quickly go into these causes before we go into the framing mm-hmm. and then into the detail. Yeah, so um, yeah. hating Britain, yeah. uh, hating nurses. Oh, sorry, Alice already said <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but I guess hating the troops. The causes yeah. that they will lie to you about, of course, and say they actually believe, uh, are that they mm. have, uh, they've been having real terms pay cuts every year for uh, ages, um, and uh, that the... They are con- their working conditions are constantly under threat from a broad umbrella of things that we've actually talked about on the show before, mm. dubbed modernization, that mm. actually just involve trying to replace skilled labor with like uh, an AI drone yeah, or what have uh, you, and, right? And it ties in, and, and I know we'll get into this in a bit more too, but it ties into the fact that, as we, as we said on the previous, I think we talked about this more on, on the bonus episode that I was on to start with, mm. which was um, uh. the fact, uh, the... Um, <laughs> Oh, Wait, I don't know. The guest does it. I don't know if I hate when the guest is like weirded out by it, or if the guest <laughs> no, does no, it. No, no, I don't you know which one I hate it. more. You embrace it. Uh, yeah, we talked about the fact that the rail industry is currently going through like a protracted reorganization, um, and, and it's mm-hmm. it's as as ever, it's a, an excuse to just. You, it, it's supposed to be defragmenting it, but actually, what it's doing is just doing more Thanosing of of, of like uh, sort of skills and people who actually are desperately needed within the industry. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll we'll open that hood uh, when we get to it, which nicely segues mm-hmm. us into the media section. Good. See what I did there. <laughs> yes, yes. This to, 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 to zoom out for a moment to the broader British view. I think Gareth, what you were saying there taps into a broader thing about any any sort of public project in Britain, which is 
it's always an excuse to make things worse. <laughs> no matter how notionally good the thing is, it's always an excuse to make things worse. It's like whenever they do any kind of like transport reform in central London, more or less all they ever do is make it harder to drive. They never make it easier to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like in quite, in quite often at the same time as they're making it harder to drive, they're like removing bus routes and stuff and then just going, you could cycle. It's like some people are old. <laughs> do you, they exist. Anyway, yeah, um, look- but what go my broader point here is that what I've noticed a lot about the I think uh, the analysis about the strikes and how people are reacting to the strikes um, is that the strikes are good as we've previously discussed. Um, but what they're missing is that uh, Britain is a deeply fucked country where everything is mm. fucked, and it's sort of weird because sort of um, like there there are kind of like there are two layers going on, which is like all of train drivers' grievances are valid and they are perfectly within their rights to strike to try and address those things. They're just also grievances that almost everyone else in the country has in their job, and they don't have a trade union, which is why they hate the train drivers because they're like, no, we it's shit for us as well. It should be shit for you. <laughs> That's the it's the crabs dragging you back into the bucket. Um, <laughs> well, I, and that's which it goes to show, right? And it's moments like this where I suppose I'll, I'll sort of betray a little bit of my optimism from later in the show that it, these these big demonstrations that like you can you can you can make the world better. You don't have to wait mm. for someone to do it for you. You can do it yourself by working together with others. Yeah, it, the the demonstration that. This actually can and might work if you just actually do it and you actually believe it will work and actually follow through. Mm. Um, suggests that Ted Kaczynski the crabs, showed us that. That's what I mean. The crabs can learn to leave the bucket, mm. and then they can pinch mm. the man that put them in the bucket. Well, you were talking exiting the crab bucket. You were talking about this recently. I think <laughs> it was it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Nate who was talking about that? Like, he just ended up with um. He he just ended up at uh, at a. Uh, Stopping a, 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 someone trying to get evicted, they're they're like trying to drag him and shove him on a plane to Rwanda. Yeah, the immigration yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And, in, and, um, and he was he was saying there was just this sort of sweat, and it wasn't just a bunch of activists turning up. It was just Dulwich, people coming sorry. out of their houses, going, "Oh, f- why why are you bollocksing up this guy's life? Like, stop it!" And and there is the smell of bacon out here. A little bit of optimism, you know, that <laughs> little bit of optimism. Yeah. We, we we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. Yeah. So. No, so the strikes must be crushed. Mm. Well, and of course, a a key a key component of this, of course, is our beloved independent uh, finder of fact, the media. (laughs) (laughs) So let let's talk. I mean, I've got a few of these. Um, We've all all watched the supercut. I want to go around and ask what everyone's favorite um, uh, Mick Lynch bodying was. uh, Starting with our guest. Uh, For me, it has to be. uh, It has to be when there was the 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 the, like 2019 intake uh, Tory who was like. Oh yeah, well, there's, obviously, obviously there's an app, and you can you can get an app uh, that, that you know automates things, and you're just getting in the way of that, and and you know veterans, and then Mick Lynch is like getting in the way of the app. Yeah, yeah. Mick Lynch is like yeah, the app that all the veterans are nonsense, mate. You're, you're just speaking absolute nonsense. So I'm not going to discuss this with a with a some backbench MP that's got no, not you just got his notes handed to him from Conservative HQ. You're a nonce. He said he was reading off he a just, script. He just, he just, fucking, he just absolutely <laughs> kneecapped. Yeah. Him. He, he, honestly, I was yeah. like, he kept saying nonsense. I was like, it's, it's, he, is he just does he know that he's just calling this guy a nonce? It was great. It was, it was a bold stance for Mick Lynch to go on TV and be like, you're a paedophile if you oppose these strikes. But <laughs> yeah. it does seem to be yeah, working. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the one way you can flip British public yeah. opinion. Well, I was against the strikes until I found out that that was what the paedophiles were doing. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I've got no choice but to join the picket line as an amateur paedophile hunter myself. 
Yeah, putting a paedophile in a headlock and walking him to the picket line and making him stand on it for a <laughs> Yeah, show a bit of respect, mate. <laughs> no. uh, I think my, my per- so the one about Gullis that I loved was just that, like, yeah, this 2019 intake Tory MP uh, who never fully, like, closes his mouth when he's <laughs> waiting to talk, which is really funny to watch. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, just being like, yeah, and just say, and, and another thing. The veterans. the veterans. Oh my god! How the dare veterans. you? It's Armed because, because Forces is... Day. The most <laughs> yeah, sacred Armed, for- day. Armed Forces Day. <laughs> yes, I love I love Armed go. Forces Day because it's such a new labor confection. Oh god, it was it like invented in something like 2013. They had a, a, like a whole branding exercise for it with a flag and we don't so even on. Use the word veterans it's... in the UK. Like that's not. It's just no. Like, what? No, yeah. no one gives a shit. Yeah. Truly, I don't think like I don't think the military even give a shit. It's just, but it exists to be like it's on our our sort of our secular calendar now that you would dare strike on Armed Forces yeah. Day. It's, yeah. it's like it's like um it's like New Year in China. It's the biggest single movement of people across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah, yeah. of like ex forces guys all swimming upstream to London. <laughs> That's okay. it. We should we should have like we should have like Denver the vibe. But for the British Army, like they should, the Paris yes. should, should get stripped down to their Telyashki and they should get in the fountain <laughs> in Trafalgar Square yeah. and just like soap each other down a bit. And then the British this people is... would respect Armed Forces Day. <laughs> yeah. This is a horrifying thing that you've laid because I yeah. know Paris would love yeah. it. Uh, so they would. Uh, my, I think my, my favorite one uh, was probably Kay Burley. Who, like, again, that was mine too. That's also that mine. Was powerful. Yeah. Interview. Who- because the, th- the thing that really struck me about the Kay Burley thing was that it was a good example of how Mick Lynch is successful on TV, not just because he is like a normal person who knows what he's talking about, but also because he's like actually very good at media work and has had some professional training in doing this. Because what Kay Burley was trying to do was to lead him to like deny something in a way that would have made him look bad. She had him in front of a picket line and she said, What will. What will you do to stop people who want to go to work on the railways from going to work? With the heavy implication being of, are you going to hit them? <laughs> right? And, and instead of like... In- yeah. Gently and tenderly uh, down the neck. <laughs> and instead of engaging with that, because if you had said, right... Well, certainly we wouldn't hit them or anything. It would have looked fatal. It would have looked so, so, like, evasive. Uh, He just quite correctly acted as if she was asking a very stupid question and just went, what do you you think we're going to do? We're going to stand there and ask them not to go to work. That's what a picket is. He owned that space. He, he like, stepped back. And there's just, like, a few few picketing RMT people in the background. And he's like, "What? what does it look like they're doing? It's just like, Kay had Statutory maximum nothing. of six oh people. They're doing the most British like, thing imaginable, standing about with their hands in their pockets. It's the same thing. On Armed Forces Day. <laughs> we, had, we had the um, the IEA's worst oh. freak dipshit, Matthew Lesh. Uh, not <laughs> notably a railway employee. Not to be confused <laughs> with Matthew Moore. <laughs> <laughs> went went through a picket line and took a photo of himself, sort of oh, gurning at his guy, phone that, like, camera. Oh, that face guy. Yeah, that yeah, was good. Because he, at, where he was like, no one tried to stop me, and no one called me a scab. It's pathetic, really. And it's does like, he work at the railway? Who is no, he? Was gonna no, he, he, train, he, just, he was going to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I think what yeah. the thing that I think unites a lot of these different sort of media vignettes. Mm. I want to talk about one or two more, but yeah. I think that. And what's it's really interesting, right? Is it shows a few things. 
It shows number complacency. one complacency. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute oh, complacency. Yes. The fact that the fact that like you think that you trade unions have been decimated enough by Thatcher that you don't need to know anything about how they work. Mm. That you don't need to know that there can only be six people officially on a picket. Yep. Mm. That you don't need to know that you like can't do secondary action, so you can't just open all of the ticket gates and yep. let people yep. through onto trains that are running anyway. Uh, th- like either not knowing those things or pretending not to know those things is a function of like mm. winning too much. It's suffering from success. Also, um, the other thing that I think it, it really shows is um, number one, the role of these people as like. Um, the British state's immune system, yeah. uh, that they are mm. there to try to mm. demolish and discredit. <laughs> Low T-cells. Yeah, they're there to try to demolish and discredit anything that is improper or out of the ordinary or that is simply unthinkable uh, in the, uh, based on what our current, you know, our current political imagination is as, like, yeah. as a society. And to see, like, to see them just using that, again, I think very um, proddy, confrontational in- interview um, uh, technique, but against a guy who refuses, who just refuses to be anything but normal, yeah, completely yeah, yeah. baffles yeah. them. Well, it, it goes <laughs> back to what we've said to, about Keir Starmer. It's like, for Christ's sake, just call them a cunt. Like, you will go up <laughs> 10 points in the polls immediately. Just be like, that's fucking stupid. It's why Bernie Sanders was so successful, because he'd just go on Fox News and they'd ask him a bunch of stupid questions. He'd be like, I think that's a very stupid question. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what you're talking about. No, of course, of course I wouldn't do that. Who would do that? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking We of. dropped on the head as a child. Yeah, I, I think I, the <laughs> other thing, the other thing though, is that what it made me think of is uh, the film Solaris, right? That the, mm. the British media, the punditocracy, the sphere of mm. the great and the good that generate opinions and TV and, and, and columns, Mm. Uh, interacting with them is like interacting with the planet Solaris, which yeah. you imagine yeah. your dead wife, which, as you know, uh, is is the planet uh, that if, from the sci-fi film Solaris that if you look at begins to enter your mind and change you and warp you and turn you into something other than entirely human. Mm. And I genuinely believe that prolonged exposure on its own terms and taking seriously the fantasy world of either sort of breathless fear or you know snide like snide com- uh, uh, condescension that someone like Piers Morgan or Kay Burley or Richard yeah. Madeley or Jenny Chapman or any of these Alan yes, Richard yeah. Madeley or any of these any one. of these fucking mutants mm. that like that he has gone up to talk to who were again trying mm. to perform an immune function but for an insane society okay to be fair Maidley is not that smart Maidley <laughs> is simply off the top of the dome saying yeah. the most uncool <laughs> shit he can think of um, there is, let's, there is, I, I want to talk about Piers thing. Morgan though well, because yeah. I think Piers Morgan is one of the greatest freaks this country has ever produced like <laughs> that's true um, I was discussing it with Phoebe the other night about how like Piers Morgan is the closest thing you can get to like what uh, the British public we've, mostly we've, think you, you have said this on I know, the I know, I know. I have this is sort of a you know this is not ongoing uh, theory that we're developing but um it, his was the most fascinating the because it was like advanced Piers Morgan that's stuff. right it was pure day-to-day like his like the K yeah, Burley was. one was really like cringe and car crashy but the Piers Morgan one I think was the funniest because he was just the tack he took was so bizarre 
He was going on about how Mick Lynch has his Facebook profile picture, the villain from the Thunderbirds, which, first of all, Piers Morgan has got to remind everyone who yeah. that is, because <laughs> yeah, no one yeah. under, like, 70 is going to know. <laughs> um, and then he's like, why have you got that as your profile picture? And this and Mick Lynch looks like this guy. It's obvious, yeah. right? It's a joke. And, that's why, and he's like, it's basically going like, is it because you're an evil mastermind? And it's like... <laughs> No, but it, 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 he was acting like he had a picture it's a, of Hitler. It's a, it's a plastic <laughs> picture like, or something. Piers, it's a plastic puppet. It's a plastic puppet from the sixties. And Piers was not having any of it. He wanted the. That, oh man, yeah. Yeah, he's like, can you can the, you not the, see the, the one... resemblance? And he's like, I don't know. Can you? Like, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, that that's just why I go with the Solaris comparison, right? Because mm. and that's so funny, by the way, to be like the reason why Mick Lynch is is effective on TV is because he seems normal. By the way, have you seen this Tarkovsky movie? <laughs> yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Right, Riley got a PhD in between the like the last recording and this one, and now he's going to be doing PhD guy shit. No, but this is why I I, I was thinking of this on my bike, right? Um, which is mm. just why. Because the the world that they want to, you to inhabit is one where things of uh, 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 everything utterly inconsequential must be whether that is totally unfounded fears based on wild speculation, whether that is the vast overinterpretation of some shit on Facebook, or just outright uh, suggesting that someone is a liar because they are out from outside the political norm. Uh, all of that is is this uh, coagulation of the uh. uh uh, the suggestion that anything that is unreasonable, that is a, a sort of an irrelevance or a frippery, is kind of the only thing that must ever be discussed and must be taken incredibly seriously. Whereas the actual material things, the world in which you live, the world of cars and trains and houses and humans and lives and stuff, that is an irrelevance. That is that's uh, that mustn't really ever be taken seriously. And someone like Wes Streeting, for example, who has platonic, grown, it's pure yeah. like cave in the forms, <laughs> who has know? grown up from the age of fetus to be molded into the perfect participant in this performed unreality. That's why he's so uncanny. So yeah, it's it's so I was thinking about this on the on the drive up actually, and I was thinking uh, like why like think I was just trying to think of pinpoint things a bit like Alice you're saying like normal guy also mm. knows what he's talking about and and, and I was thinking like sure. so I do dangerous I, combination so I do news bits uh, every <laughs> now and then and I, I do lo- lo- local radio stuff because you know low level Twitter weirdo but I was thinking but I, you know I don't the people who successfully really crack going on the TV a lot are either are, ge- are kind of generalists or economists uh, who kind of do know stuff but only on a general level and are generally pretty extreme you know, whatever it happens to be, they're they're punchy kind of characters. Let's say that. I'm I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about psychopaths, but like you know, people like Ash, Ash Sarkar. She's Even really punchy. Yeah, exactly. She's really punchy. Yeah. She's a generalist. She's fantastic. I I got bumped from GMB for Ash. I was like, I'm up. I'm at peace with that. It's fine. Um, but uh, but like at the other end of the spectrum, you have the Wed Streetings, who are just like they're like they're like. Oh, they're like the th- just a slime ball that's been shaped and sort of molded by that to to fit into that ecosystem, as you say, rightly. And there's no space for. And I think when people who actually know what they're talking about um, do occasionally get to appear on the news, it does cut, it lands in a way with the general public, like, oh, that's someone who knows what they're talking about, and they seem normal. And it's just, and it, it's so rare that the door is allowed to open enough, just a little tiny crack for them to be able to talk through it. 
This is one of my favorite things when sometimes you get a radio debate and, you know, they have to have like balance. But then it's like Mm. it's really off kilter because it's just not a matter of opinion. Like they just get on someone who knows about the thing. And then for balance, they get on someone who just doesn't know about it. Like I remember once listening to I think it was on Radio 2, a debate about having a four day working week. And they had like a professor of economics from Oxford (laughs) who was just like very patiently explaining like why a four day working week would be a good idea and like places where it's worked and like the economic rationale behind it and so on. And then they just had like a backbench Tory MP who was just going, well, I think that's bollocks. Yeah. And then like the guy's going, but, but why is it bollocks? And he's going, well, it just is. Yeah. And it's like, this but isn't a debate. This is just a guy explaining so, it. Another guy saying bollocks. But your, your, your man, that's the thing. He was not, uh, he's not also willing to mm. go on the attack. Uh, and that's the thing. Mm. I, I, I don't want to make this the uh, Mick Lynch fan cast, right? Oh, but it because is already. The, it's yeah, Riley, that ship yeah, has sailed. But, yeah. But I think what I. We're, we're, just, we're just not going to be one of the people who's like, Mick Lynch should be in charge of the Labour oh, Party. Yeah. A no, job no, which no, would, like, me, like yeah. make Lynch the Labour Party and him inside work. me, actually. That's yeah. why. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is something. You should DM me. That's what's so tight about Mick Lynch. It's going to happen. Wait, I've never had my hand on the lathe, but I'm removing it from the bloody lathe. Slash fiction about Mick Lynch. There's actually a pass through in the executive lounge onto the lathe. I, I, uh, I want yeah. to. I want to sort of come to the to the yeah, end, end of do. this bit and sort of move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll I'll start here. This is why I think yeah, as as you say, I was people calling people like C one normal person who is able to you know resist the kind of mind bending power of the you know I'd say like again defense mechanism that is the intentional vapidity and um. And, and I mean, it's a lead-poisoned media. It's intentionally stupid, sure. vapid, and aggressive. Yeah. Um, and but I think the people who can resist that—it's so rare to see someone who's not just part of that awful infernal machine uh, go on and just refuse to be taken in by it. That yeah, people will go from saying uh, this is good; it's good for the union; it's good for public opinion of the strikes. Uh, it is also communicating clearly why things like union membership are good and necessary and why arguments against them tend to be kind of either stupid or fatuous. Uh, but in mm-hmm. addition, I think it also leads people to overconclude because it's not as though you need Mick Lynch to be the leader of the, of the Labour Party because what you need is him to be the lead, like in charge of the RMT and then a thousand other versions of him in charge of other... Yeah, we need to clone yeah. A few Mick people Lynch. have made good yeah. points about this, actually, on, 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 on the Twitters. Uh, not that this was... I'm not going to make this Twitter review. You know, basically, if, if people pointing out, like, no, he's, it's not because he's utterly and totally brilliant. Like, he's great and everything, but he's just a normal guy. He is the result of a truly democratic process. And we don't have hmm. many of those functioning hmm. in this country. So actually, if we just yeah. had lots of functioning democratic processes... You, would, you don't need lots of Mick Lynch's. You don't need it to be a leadership complex, as in, like, we have to have great heroic leaders. No, you just have a democratic process, and that ge- will yeah. generally work to provide a functioning system to pe- for people to kind of be represented and to get shit done. Believing in democracy in Britain no, in 2022, that's almost, it's almost quaint. Yeah. I mean, we, we, talk about, we talk about sort of, um, or it is often talked about that stuff like the free press is kind of a core element of democracy, but we're here seeing, I mean, look, we all know this, everyone listening to it knows, knows this, but this is, an, in fact, a fantastic object lesson in seeing the free press come up against democracy and, well, and be... I, get I, I, shit it's, kicked in. It's, it's too soon to say, like, beaten, but at least humiliated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and, you know, when we talk about, they contrast this to like how they're talking about the Labour Party, which is trying to live in that media world of unreality, right? They, they've sort of adduced, they've sort of decided we are going, that the, the shadows on the cave wall are good, and we are going to make the noise um, 
we're going to make all the right noises when we see certain shadows come on the cave wall, and we're going to make sure that we all stay in that cave. People right? and- say that being in the cave with the shadows is bad, but some of those shadows are of good things, like of children going to school, <laughs> or of opportunities, or of the concept of dignity in public office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and and not, not that it's done the Labour Party any good, either, because now they, uh, like... In in the framing oh of God. both the Conservative Party and the media, uh, refuse to condemn the strikes. Yeah, uh, they actually love the strikes. I saw mm. I saw Keir Starmer and Mick Lynch in a room yeah. kissing one well, there's time. There's one shadow I'd really like to talk about, and it's the shadow being cast across Boris Johnson's reputation by his conduct at a number <laughs> of parties and his refusal to resign in accordance with the Nolan principles of ministerial conduct. <laughs> I mean, already, you know, the, ex- the Express is sort of writing breathless revelations of, oh, Labour has been taking money from the unions. Again, That's a- how the Labour Party is constituted! <laughs> but again, the, the thing is... And it's not, and it's not, not, not the RMT! Yeah. Not the RMT. The RMT isn't affiliated no. with Labour. Mick Lynch himself isn't a member of the Labour Party. It's got fuck all to do with them. And the question is, like... Why the Labour Party are going so hard to like try to distance themselves? It's, uh, it's just, so I have uh, there are a few people who 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 I know who are like Labour Party, no matter what. Keir is great because we need to unify behind wonderful Keir, and and they continue to say no. They're they know what they're doing. They're brilliant. They're navigating their way through. <laughs> safe and I love pair of hands. How, safe pair of hands. I love how successfully they've navigated their way through this in the sense that they have managed <laughs> to successfully be tarnished by an association with, association with unions and have uh, are disciplining MPs and or uh, disciplining ministers who have appeared at picket lines thereby alienating absolutely everyone they possibly could in one go it's fantastic never fantastic knowingly on the winning side yeah. that's the labor party <laughs> promise <laughs> like, <laughs> we will distance ourselves from whoever seems to be winning that's yeah. what we'll do <laughs> so look, this, is, this is i think the the air war let's say right this is this is the war over public, and again, public opinion. Just to yeah, yeah. and it, it and it, it it reminds me a lot of the movie Roadside Picnic, Shut up, which that's <laughs> 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 my favorite part of when Mick Lynch uh, was talking to Richard Madeley. It was when he said, "Well, of course, this comes up a lot when uh, Tarkovsky is dealing with the idea of Sovietskaya realnost," um, and he. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was fucked up for Mick Lynch to like push that pram down the long flight of steps. Oh, okay. So I think one of the you know they held one of the RMT picket lines at a disused chemical plant, and then all of them actually got cancer in later life. <laughs> uh, so if you're all done roasting me, I'd like to talk a little bit about public opinion, then go on into what actually happened. So public uh, is currently again broadly supportive of the strikes. Again, this breaks down by age with. Uh, it breaks down mostly by age. With if you're above sixty-five, you're like fuck them. It should be shit. They should they should be happy to get paid in mud and sludge. That's um, right. And then if you're sort of under the age of uh, forty-nine, the age of yeah. people who take trains the least yeah. as well. Like they've been the least inconvenienced yeah. <laughs> by this. Yeah. Just the just the <laughs> yeah. idea that someone is doing something to make their life better that isn't like. Becoming an entrepreneur is anathema to Pensioners these people. Pensioners love all the stuff that they will never have to do, like commuting, um, national service, <laughs> like any shit like that. <laughs> Pensioners are always like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, the public is broadly supportive of the strikes. And also, you know, this is that generally speaking, there's a pattern that support for strikes as they drag on, support for strikers tends to rise among the public uh, because the, the, Opinion tends to be, and this is sort of historical, that uh, the 
the lowest the uh, public opinion of strikes will be, not all the time, not universally, but usually, uh, is at the beginning when the disruption starts. And then the blame very, very sort of gradually over the coming weeks then shifts to government or for not solving it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it becomes like irrefutable that people don't like it when they're on strike. They don't like not working. If they want their conditions to be better, they don't want to not yeah, work. Yeah, because eventually, like, eventually, at, at some point, uh, the news has to interview someone who's actually on strike. And I think you know that mm -hmm. when they when they do eventually do that, other than the leader, when they eventually do that, you just see someone who's just a normal person who's just fighting their corner because they actually aren't going to be able to pay their mortgage. Mm -hmm. And again, the uh, but mm -hmm. and then the. The and that's why the the attacks on uh no they're not fighting their corner they're fighting you because you want to get around for Armed Forces Day or whatever mm. um you know you want to go yeah. <laughs> every Armed Forces Day I celebrate it by getting a bunch of trains back and forth yeah. <laughs> the yeah. traditional way just in different times see yeah. what happens it's weird yeah. that every Armed Forces Day <laughs> is celebrated by doing the thing that whatever industry on strike is doing it was weird that yeah. one Armed yeah. Forces yeah. Day when everyone had to go to primary school. <laughs> ne next, next Armed Forces Day, I'm going to go to Heathrow and check in to a bunch of different yeah. BA flights. I'm not. I, I on. visit all of the service academies on Armed Forces Day, as I presume all of you do. I do, I do Sandhurst first, <laughs> and then I go off down to the Royal Naval Academy in Portsmouth, um, yep. and then I go to wherever the RAF one is. <laughs> yeah, Cranwell. Yep, yep. And, and that, this this will only increase because it's essentially the only thing they can do. Um, but no, so let's let's talk about sort of the specifics of what's going on and how we got here, because these are themes that we've talked about, which is that every time we've talked to Gareth, we've discussed different plans where the term modernization or technological development, whatever these things, um, is always cloaked in a very thin veneer of um, a, a sort of an idea of making the trains more efficient, uh, more pleasant to be on as a rider, but in every case involve the stripping away of uh, skilled workers who are essential to the um, actual running of the trains safely. Uh, and there are a few there are a few I've seen uh, that um, I want to discuss a little bit here as well, which is a, it seems as though they want to automate a lot of, tr of safety checking on trains and tracks using stuff like drones. I, I have something for this really quickly. Um... So so yeah, there's there's a mixed picture, and I, I did want to talk touch on this because it's it's actually it is a complicated picture on rail, and the challenge you have is that rail has always had some level of need to maybe maybe it's not different to other industries, but certainly the way that the rail industry works is that since the Second World War, we've actually always been short of skilled people. So we've always been short of having enough. We've always been overstretched. And so straight after the Second World War, we introduced machines to like maintain track because we just didn't have a load of track workers that we had had um, before, the, before the, the Second World War, partly because we got a load of them shot and partly because um, they just didn't want to come back to railways. Railways was shit work. We, we, we thank them for their service on Armed Forces Day by riding the by trains. Riding the trains exactly. So, so, so we've always had introductions of new technology as part of sort of dealing with a shortage of, of, of staff. So there's a bit of a weird dichotomy. So you've got this skills challenge and also the safety thing, which is actually that it is good to reduce the number of track workers on the railway that aren't getting turned into chunky marinara by trains. So there is this... So, so I, I want to as I always like to make the picture more complicated by, by reality. However, so, so yeah, things like dr using drones to survey track is actually fine, right? Fine. But what is, what, what is problematic is when that is used as an excuse 
to not then redeploy those skilled people to do the other things to keep the railway running. If it's used as an excuse to strip the, to just basically get rid of their grades, kick them off the railway, then it's it's like a double whammy hit to the railway when we're already continuing to be short of, of skilled staff, which I know is a strange thing to say when government is actively telling the industry to cut more people. Yeah. Well, it- so, so yeah, it's a complicated, it, it's, I just want to like automation is not necessarily always a dreadful thing in the railways, but it's it, it's what that it, it, you've got to look at where it's coming from, uh, what the kind of the the, the desire for that automation is, is doing, and then what the outcome is. What's happening to those skilled people? Are they actually just basically getting sacked, or are they genuinely being redeployed and being made a better use? Because of? it's for me, right? I mean, having done this podcast for several years now, whenever I see a very important, let's say, important to my continued existence. Uh, process um, getting be, being told, oh, we're going to do this with a drone. It's going to be hand, analyzed with AI and so on. What I, I tend to, he- and we're getting rid of the guy that used to do it. Yeah, yeah. What you what you tend to hear is, yeah, and and, and it's and it's stuff like, or also it's things like uh, trying to replace um, uh, station attendants with a sign, for example, because yeah. the sign can't control, say, uh, a, an overcrowded uh, platform, for example. Maybe it could be that that one call sign in the underground that has like an like an inspirational message of the day, and that just writes itself. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Well, take, take accessibility as an example, right? We, our railways are hopelessly inaccessible to anyone other than well, basically they're really inaccessible to basically everyone for various reasons. But if you're in a wheelchair, or like you can't lift your knee a much because for whatever reason, um, it's really difficult to get on trains, and invariably you end up stuck on or off a train, and you need someone to come and help you. And those people, if they're not around, if there's not a ticket off, for example, there's no ticket office, you've got rid of the ticket office, um, it can be quite hard to know where someone is to actually go and find them in the first place to get help. So that's almost one microcosm of like how it, staffing is really important. So and Britain it, it, in general, know, knifey, spoony ass country where like there are staff there yeah. and they do have to help you. But can you find them? Can you say the magic <laughs> yeah, Solve my riddles three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, the picture is complicated, and in a weird way. So, there is lots of technology that we use that is that works. That, that right. uh, this week has uh, sort of been a week. You know, that this my air show thing, that I've, my railway air show thing that I've been at all week has lots of this technology, and plenty of it is good and does work, right? And it so it does fall into the potential, like you'd expect to hear it in one of your startups, Riley. But actually, it, it, some of it is real. Uh, whenever it mentions AI or autonomous, uh, that's when my little flag goes up. It's like eh, er, that's mm. not a thing. Um, but it's about the context. It's about right. Why is that technology being used? Is it just being used as an excuse to just get rid of people out of the industry? And 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 what are the outcomes? And it has to be assessed uh, kind of in that light of skills and safety. And and the other thing I want to talk about, especially to do with skills and safety, is this idea that. They want the, fr- and again, this is as I understand it, there is a drive being supported by the government right now for network rail to bring in lots of agency staff yeah. uh, to fill these holes, but also to be able to use more agency staff for these skilled roles in general. So this happened before. So so if, if before we had network rail, mm-hmm. which is basically like it was basically a government body and then it is very much legally a government body. I think it changed in like 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. But r- network rail was always basically a government body, a part of government. Rail track before it was not. Ah, rail track, yes. lovely, delicious rail track, which was basically a contract <laughs> management organization that hated anyone mentioning the word engineering. Mm-hmm. And what they did was mm-hmm. entirely outsource everything. And if you remember what happened well, that that always is that well. we killed a bunch of people. Yes. Ah. Well, you mentioned Potter's mm. Bar didn't you, earlier, mm. you know, so really not great. And, and so that was as a result of this outsourcing, as a result of not just, and, and you know, some of those people were skilled people, plenty of them were, you know, uh, you know, there's all those interfaces, contract management. But the reality is that agency staff, and, and, and it happened through Network Rail, they actually reversed a lot of this. They brought it all in-house and safety has mm. got better. 
you know, actually efficient. Fundamentally, the thing that government seems to be obsessed with, which is money, was better when it was in-house because you didn't have to pay a load of lawyers mm-hmm. to manage those interfaces. And so they're now looking at reversing yeah, but it's, that. But then, when when you have to pay those lawyers, you don't have to think about it ahead of time. Exactly. So it, it's it's less. Yeah, you're just going to have an entirely contingent workforce with absolutely no prospects. Ideally, and this comes back to big themes, right? You lock them into that little thing that they do. There's no chance that... You know, this comes back to even something like cleaners, right? Cleaners, in, 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 in days when it was a less fragmented industry, cleaners could be like, you know what, I actually want some life aspirations. What I might do is, okay, cleaning kind of is fine, but actually I want to maybe do something different. I'm going to be a guard. And they might, you know, try being a guard a couple of times, then eventually the guard. And they might, you know, maybe I want to try, drive trains. And then eventually they get a chance to drive trains because it's one organization. They can do that. Mm-hmm. Not when you've split it into train cleaning uh, subsidiary incorporated mm. 2011 uh, as a, 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 a thing, and they are trapped yeah. in that little tiny fragment. Final .exe. It's the same with track with agency yeah, staff for maintenance. <laughs> if you're if you're creating a company to put all people of one type of thing mm-hmm. in, there is no chance of that. And also, it just ends up with better engineering, out- uh, worse engineering outcomes because no one's talking to anyone. It's just it's just going backwards. Yeah. It, it's it's the government's really bad. excited and to yeah, announce the agency thing is. They got extra staff off of LimeWire, and uh, they're they're excited <laughs> to open them on the big government oh my computer. God, that's such a that's such a that's such a narrow reference. It, it, the thing is, right, oh it's, is that the the idea that they're going to break the strike by um just having a bunch of people from town have a go at doing track safety inspections is a very yeah. fun idea. Oh my god. But it's like signalers as well. Signalers require a minimum 10-week course to be able to say that they are a trainee signaler, let alone actually do it. Uh-huh. Like, mm. how are you getting... That's no longer is that person a a like high and mighty agency. They're becoming an employee, right? So what... It's a, mm. and, and government even had to roll back on this. They admitted that it was a bit of a dead cat, so they could try and... They were even admitting it. It's like, oh my God, mm. just, yeah. The agency thing is really bad. Yeah. And I really... It's one of the things I get most angry about in the industry is is this reliance on agency staff because it's deliberately trying to keep everyone exactly where they are so that their grades are easily manageable so you never have any pay escalation well, this is, and it's difficult to unionize. This is a yeah. lot of also like, if you like why a lot of the history of unionization as well is the more you are treated as part of a machine, right? The more you are boxed into yeah, an individual just, component. Yeah, yeah precisely. Yeah. Right? In the That's, heart of the machine. Exactly. That this, is, this is something that people <laughs> fucking hate. Uh, and, I do, and if the thing is, right, if I'm on a train, I do not want the person who decides if my train smashes into another train to fucking hate their life. I want them to have yeah. a very good life. <laughs> I want them to be want happy. Them to have a good life. Mm. Be trained, have a, some sort of professional framework that they sit within. And also, frankly, the way that, so, and, and, and you know, to get briefly missed, uh, kind of uh, rose tinted, uh, kind of misty eyed and happy, mm. events like I was at uh, this week reminds me that the way the railway at its best as probably with lots of industries, is one when it feels like one thing, when there's a bit of camaraderie. And it's like, actually, we're all doing this thing. We actually care about making trains work. And, and this is good. You know, we feel good about it. That's how you have a better running system. Good, good kind of happy people. Um, and, and, and you also don't kill people by crashing trains into each other. So, yeah, I, I, it's ideal. side benefit. It also yeah. shows, right, how... Um, how just with a very sort of the only downside is you have to have people talk about the railway family, a phrase I've always hated. <laughs> they're, 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 they're big rivals, the lighthouse family. But the um, the, the thing is, <laughs> right, you should see those British bulldogs with those two. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's another way in which just by thinking about it a little bit, you can very easily see that this is not a strike of railway workers against nurses or teachers. It's a strike of no, railway. That's next yeah. week, yeah, exactly. They're, They're going to show those yeah. nurses and teachers who's <laughs> odd. But this is. 
this is that when their when their conditions improve, a little bit of everyone who uses the train's lives also improves. Your safety on the train improves. Your experience of being on it improves. Your life gets a bit better because ultimately the um, private equity funds that own uh, Go Ahead and First Group don't get quite as much uh, state subsidy, right? Because I, I don't. Again, I mm. do not want to use an asset stripped service. Do you know where has asset stripped services? Is is Quebecois and Italian like bridges and roadways, and those are mm. dangerous. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference between a private equity fund owning um owning a a, a, a train operator and uh, the mafia sort of uh, like using half the concrete like to build their own houses or sell or whatever yeah. for a bridge project. Uh, we feel the me. mafia have like nicer suits and probably like a smaller uh, car. Don't worry, there's yeah, some guys filling those gaps yeah. in the concrete. Don't worry about it. And, they, uh, and, and the thing is, right? <laughs> in there. And so let's 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 go further, right? What what specifically uh does does network rail want? We talked about the broad themes. You've said uh Gareth cut a yeah, bunch of jobs Gareth, to in order to save like 2 billion quid a year. Well, you've said right? this is about staff services and stations. Yeah, this is my three S's. So when I've when people have been uh, when I've been appearing and people have been going, why are they striking? And I go, well, okay, well because it's a beautiful impression. I'm with Playboy Zaycaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, why are they striking? Oh, can you tell um, me why they're striking? I might not be able to understand what you're saying. I've taken quite a lot of quaaludes, mate. <laughs> so I, I like I, I, I like I, I, maybe I'm becoming the media person who we all hate, but I like to kind of keep it something memorable. So from its three S's, which is like staff uh, services and eventually stations. So so it's like three th- three things to think about. So first, staff, which is the obvious one, right? Because the union represents people. And um, so what is happening is that government, under the guise of oh, the, there's doom and gloom now in the railways because of the the COVID uh, reduction in services, uh, are forcing their own organisation, Network Rail, to reduce its headcount by about 20%. So that's about 8,000 staff that have needed to go. Quite a few have gone already through voluntary redundancies, right? Um, it's worth pointing out, this is absolutely insane, given that we have a chronic shortage of people on the railway. But anyway, mm. so th- these cuts, uh, the first kind of pass was like attempt to voluntary redundancies at kind of, and I'm using rabbit ears here, management level, but it's not really management level. It includes like engineers like me, and it's kind of like, if you like white collar type, mm. type roles. Um, but around, mm. so, so a bunch of people are like, Oh yeah, fuck it. I'll take voluntary redundancy. Fine. I'm I'm close to retirement age. I'll do it. And fifty percent of the people who applied for voluntary redundancy were rejected. Why were they rejected? Because literally the railway could not run without them. So they reject. So oh. that was at like white collar level of like testers and commissioners and people who you there. There are about eighteen of them in the country, and if if four of them go on voluntary redundancy, the railway will just not work ever again. So those. So that. So they. So they rejected. So that much line. of the so, modern economy is down to like. A handful of guys in various industries. Oh, yeah, the bus factor. Oh my god! The, the, yeah. the bus factor. The the maximum maximum number of people that have to get hit by a bus before the thing just <laughs> yeah, is yeah, irreparably. Yeah, well, fucked. the government constantly like trying to project. Like, okay, so we've removed five of the Jenga blocks, and it's still it's still working. So I reckon if we take out another ten, it's probably <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll probably be based on the trajectory of the five where it was fine. It'll continue to be fine infinitely, yeah, so, no matter how many blocks we take. Out. I can tell yeah. you one pub in Derby that if you firebombed it on a particular evening, the railways would cease to function. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Dominic Rubb stalking towards <laughs> the pub with a Molotov and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's worth saying that voluntary offering, that voluntary severance package, none of that was offered to blue collar workers. None of that was offered to kind of non management mm. grades. And then the other thing is that grades themselves are being shifted. So, like the lower level grades, in fact, the lowest level grade is basically being binned. 
um, which you think sounds oh that, that great that means people's salary increases no it basically just reduces the the the, the, the it reduces a load of conditions for people on that new lowest grade which is all, also includes new apprentices so new people with the you know bright eyed bushy tail coming into the industry now having their grade their kind of their their conditions kind of fucked with as well so that's the staff thing so there's a lot of mess related to staffing right um, in, and that includes by the way about two and a half thousand frontline staff like key critical maintenance staff who are being asked to basically go. So that's the sort of staff. Next is services. So so kind of tied into this, and this is absolutely within the union's own kind of literature, is this idea of the government rhetoric that's continuing to kind of play up this reduction in passenger numbers to kind of make out as if the railways are in decline and they desperately need to swing in as the heroes to save it. Um, and they're saying, oh, you know, passenger numbers are dropping. You know, they're they're only at 70%. The reality is last week, uh, ridership was at 93% of pre-COVID levels and continuing to climb, right? Um, and so it's kind of this this idea that the railways are in decline again. Uh, it will be familiar to anyone uh, who lived in Britain in the 1960s. Um, so it's kind of being used to force through an agenda of contracting the railways right at a time when they are desperately needed to expand, you know, like climate well, change. If I can, if I can say, like, one of the things that um, is, has been one of the themes about the moving on from the from the pandemic and the sort of the pandemic state, right, has been uh, the British government saying, all of these things, these things that are now been set permanently in motion, but these things that were either temporary changes in the pandemic that we like are permanent, so rail rail ridership is going to be down forever, or things that are basically ratcheted up quite permanently, like high energy prices, or at least for the foreseeable future, those are temporary and can be dealt with with a one-off payment. You can see, again, the the sort of sorting of things into unreal and real of permanent and temporary uh, that is sort of totally impervious to um, any kind of uh, 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 learning. I guess you could say. Yeah, or, or the reality of the evidence. You know, I, I'm genuinely not going to be surprised when um, when Treasury or DFT switch off the feed that provides me the numbers to tell you that it's now at 93%. At some point, that feed's getting switched off when it gets used too much by journalists. Um, and it's also worth saying, so we're at 93%, but we're still running an 80% timetable. They're 80%, like they're 20%, 20% of services pre-COVID are, not, are still not running. And that number is actually, you know, government has been cutting more services. So, so the government is cutting services whilst ridership is still increasing. So if all the timetable was reinstated, I would be very surprised if we didn't jump well above 100% pretty rapidly. But that doesn't fit the agenda, you know. So, um, And it's also worth saying, for all the real rail nerds out there, this is the train zone. Uh, for the real uh, rail <laughs> freight, for anyone who cares about that sort of thing, uh, is way above pre-COVID levels now. So all that side of things, forget passengers, that is all back to normal. So give, to give you an idea, given that they haven't had services cut uh, – the reason I say that it gives you an idea of the fact that that is back to normal again. So if t- the timetable for passengers was back to normal, it's likely that you'd see, okay, there's been a change maybe in the type to travel, but we're way, we would be way back above 100% again. Well, it's also, so that's the, that's the third thing. It's, Sorry, the second thing, which is services. Yeah. Go on, right. It's like, also on. telling, right, that at the same time as uh, y- it's that the same people who sort of generated, uh, I would say, like an entire sort of swath of the Amazon rainforest worth of headlines about needing to get back into the office. Uh, they are unwilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Death oh, march no, to but, the but office. But no, we don't want them to travel. Yeah. It's it's Schrodinger's yeah. office worker, right? So um, so yeah, the third thing. Sorry, I, I, this won't be long. So the third thing is is about stations. It's about the longer term, and this is this is kind of more of a reading between the lines of the unions, and and kind of me chatting to people I know, kind of within the unions, not just the RMT actually, but the TUC, the TSSA, my union, and others. The TSSA, by the way, are balloting for strikes as well. So th- this is going to escalate. It really is. Um, so uh, it's the fact that you know the, the workforce isn't daft. You know the, the cancellations, and, and we've talked about this. The fact that you know they're, they're desperately murdering. Look what they've done to my beautiful boy with HS2, <laughs> like desperately destroying that and other major projects. You know stuff that's outside of London. The major regional projects that are just getting cut uh, left, right, and centre. 
and London projects as well. You know, we talked about the obliteration of TFL. So all these things, all these about cuts. Scotland as well, because yeah, Scot- yeah. Scotland. Mm. Yeah, quite. Mm. So all these cuts and changes to like the actual long-term shape of the railway, uh, proposals in their sort of wonderful integrated rail plan, which is anything but, will fundamentally involve the contraction of the rail, of the rail network, and it will involve local stations closing. So the unions know this. So the government's talking expansion. They're talking about reopening railway lines, but their actions are the, the literal opposite. And the unions know that this is a long-term risk for all their roles. So they know that long-term, if a, a contracting railway means fewer, like fewer workers, fewer jobs, uh, and, a, and, and a yet, another, uh, yet another sort of tightening noose on, on conditions, an excuse to, oh, you know, your conditions are going to get worse, your pay is going to get worse, but at least you've got a job. Yeah, it really does. I mean, and we've touched on this on the show before, feel like a Tory government is basically, they are like a sort of, um, like a, like an auditor or an administrator brought in to wind Britain up as a going concern. Like, <laughs> yeah. their constant drive is to, like, sell everything off and to, like, get everything running on as skeleton crew as possible, as though that's, like, the desirable way. And, like, they're constantly like, oh, well, this service lo- loses money. It's like, yeah, but people need it. Well, All government services lose money. That's how it works it's a you spend money on them because you need the thing well that's that's (laughs) this reminds me this reminds me of the bigger the like sort of the worst attempt to own the strikers from the right that i saw was uh, a navy account going well train drivers who again not who's striking but train drivers get paid you know 50 grand a year or whatever average pay in the navy is 32 grand a year to which there were several hundred replies going yeah, but you guys don't drive me to work <laughs> on the battleship, <laughs> and they should. You don't. You don't fucking. And they yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold on, forces. Day. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to take the HMS Glasgow to fucking work. That's I how, want it. That's how Alex is going to commute down. <laughs> I genuinely. Yeah. Do. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, yeah. I think this actually is a good segue into the next <laughs> next thing I want to talk about, which is well, mm. what does the Tory government want out of this, right? Mm. And I think quite a bit of. Yeah. Chaos, well, destruction, I, the ruin of their enemies sewn upon the mountainside. They, yeah. they want Britain to look like those scenes in sci-fi movies when there's not, and everything's white and there's just a guy walking around. That's what they want Britain to look like. Well, I, just I think, like everything is just totally, there's <laughs> nothing exists. I think what we're seeing is that without the motive power of a mm. project like Brexit is that they are returning very, very strongly to the natural very state strongly. of a post-1990, of a post <laughs> post-2008 post British political party, which is a cargo cult to the last time they had an idea. Yeah. Mm. And so this is yeah. why I think they mm. are, what they are, what they are essentially doing is they are, they are trying to fight the same fight that Margaret Thatcher would have done, but in a very, very, very different economy, starting from a very, very different place, where they, yeah. are, they are trying to... St- starting from starting from a Thatcherite victory, no less, which in some ways has hindered them, as we've seen. <laughs> and, so, and so to see like, and, and so they are essential. I think they're they're the the mission is essentially to um to and again this is what the RMT has said that the mission is to stop an agreement from happening because the concern is that more more unions like the um like like the NEU uh like the CWU. Uh, just to name a couple that have come up, like the, um, like the, like the, like the oh, yeah, 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 and so on. I, th- I think CWU just balloted something like ninety-five percent in favor of industrial action on principle. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting yeah. summer, but, long hot summer. Um, but, yeah, the fighting but, right, season. What we what they, what we're seeing is um, this uh, this terror of um, of of wages rising, sort of to keep pace with inflation, of course. And again, this is this is I think because uh, their their plan is just to hit the same button, which is 
yeah. brutalize the people that we've been brutalizing since Thatcher and before. Um, and I think that's sort of, I, again, no, no, that's why they're there. Their primary purpose is to do that. But it's also interesting to see how at odds that is with all of the other things that they're trying to do. How like that's so at odds with, um, for example, having a high-wage economy because they believe that there is one way to get a high-wage economy, which is the way implied by Thatcherism and promulgated by like the IEA, which is to have taxes be nothing so that someone comes in and invents a new type of blockchain in Britain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like the, if the rich... So like I grew up in, in probably the city in Britain, if not Europe, that represents better than any other that trickle-down economics does not work. Uh, that is Aberdeen, which is where like... All of the oil and gas uh, yes. money came through there, and I can tell you with great confidence that not even a penny of it landed on Union Street for anyone in the <laughs> in the city to spend. So uh, yeah, if you go to Aberdeen, particularly now that the, oil, the arse has fallen out of oil and gas big time, that's what that's what it looked like when I was growing up, and just not a penny of it stayed there. And so what I what I sort of see right is that is that the all the people with actual power in this or with actual institutional power in this country because there are lots of people with power in this country that's not institutional power such as unions uh but that all of the people with mm. institutional power in the country are essentially retreating to cargo cults of the last time their thing had a kind of verve and a kind of idea right yeah and labor do, labor yeah. are doing it right yeah. labor are going back to like their their sort of uh, nice sort of oh we want we want uh, we want group yeah, kind of uh, people to we, we we have no thoughts of our own we have no policies we just want to be nice and we want we want to to, to make prosperity through people having uh, security and and some other words yeah. that that we've um, that we focus crucially uh, we have to forget all of how they got any security prosperity yeah. uh, the weekend all this stuff you have to forget all of how that came about mm -hmm. because history uh, we're no longer there. We're now just negotiating a set. Of course, they're going to be weak shit. Um, you know, it's they, again, they were put there to be weak. And again, it is, uh, I, I note with sure. some amusement that columnists such as Gabby Hinsliff are now writing columns titled, The Summer of Discontent Should Be a G Big Gift to Labor. So, where are Starmer's ideas? I don't know, Guardian <laughs> Opinion <laughs> columnists. Oh, where yeah. the fuck are they? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! If, if only there had been someone in that job who had been able to like make some make some productive use of this for the Labour Party. Ah, well, I guess we'll yeah, never know. Yeah, but right, and so this is why I see that both the the factions in control of the institute of the ship of state of the institutional levers have shown themselves time and again to be uh, manifestly uh, unfit to actually do that job. Um, and manifestly, oh yeah, it, it's great because we, we have we have technocrats now who can't run a technocracy, <laughs> and in fact seem yeah. actively you know hostile to the idea. I'll tell you what we fucking have. We have the Adeptus Mechanicus. Is it going to be another Tarkovsky? No. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. We have. They don't okay. understand how the technology works. They just pray over it because they know the. Yeah. It's like you know, it's the it's the Adeptus Mechanicus priest trying to repair a tank. Which ones of the like religious oils he's putting on it are actually oil, and which ones are just like. It's like, you know, nice smells to please the emperor. They don't know. They don't want to know. And if you try to know, then you're going to get killed for being a heretic. And that's what <laughs> that's what we have in charge of the country is just competing factions of tech priests. Um, yeah. Check out Warhammer 40,000, everyone. Um, yeah. anyway. <laughs> do, do not do that. I'm just thinking about, I've if, just if, got if Boris you... saying those words in a speech in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> we could not approve of the emperor's design for the space marines. Um, 
<laughs> Ten thousand psychers a day to keep yeah. the queen alive. Yeah. I I don't want to recommend Warhammer Forty K to anyone. It's just that if you're already cursed to get any of these jokes, you're then, already into it. You know, it's fine. I, uh, but yeah, yeah it, it is. Yeah. They understand what technocracy looks like, and they will make all of the noises that look technocracy-ish. But there is an, a manifest, and again, this but it's on the blockchain yeah, now. But this, I think, this goes back <laughs> to them living in the same world. In fact. The British um, media world being a kind of outgrowth and a member of the same monolith as our sort of high political firmament, uh, which is that it is a world of unreality and a, a technocrat that is sure. technically incapable of reaching their goals, but is very, very capable of seeming like they're reaching their goals is a homeostatic and ultimately parasitic organism. <laughs> um, but. Mm. And it's funny that it's funny that it should be the rail industry that, that 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 is currently bumping up against, given given how much of a real thing the rail industry unavoidably is when you've got four hundred and fifty tons of train mm. kind of barreling towards a signal that's being controlled by an agency worker that works for some company that had its name invented in the mind of some yeah. prep boy uh, yeah. like a, mm. a year ago. Can't put that on the blockchain. Yeah, like the train the train gets there or it doesn't. Yeah. You can't be like, well, I think in a very real sense, the train not being here reflects. That uh, our our commitment to the train being, <laughs> and, and the 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 sort of at the base of all of this, right? One of the main reasons why it's happening, and one of the main reasons why, um, sort of most of the people in charge of figuring out whether it should or shouldn't happen are trying to, you know, uh, are liking that it's happening is inflation, of course, right? And there was this, and if you remember, right, um, fucking the Bank of England, I think it was Andrew Bailey, came out and said, all everyone across the economy should not ask for pay increases so we don't have a wage price spiral. Now, again, this is this is yeah. now something that's coming out of number 10 saying it would be irresponsible be be responsible yeah. when you but, that, yeah, but the thing yeah, is, yeah, do you know sure. what creates what if you think about what makes something a crisis? It's not that the numbers get higher because if the prices if there's two kinds of inflation crisis, right? There's the kind that we are experiencing right now, which is essentially an afford which is an affordability crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. cost of living. And that's crisis. when inflation yeah. outpaces wages. That creates a crisis. That in itself is a crisis because and I think it's worth talking about this. A price has three, broadly speaking, components to it. A price has a a labor cost. It has a non labor cost, and then it has margin. And if you want to look at what's been growing, it's been non labor yeah. costs and margins uh, have been growing. Have been mm. and the thing is, all of it all, where. Where has where has that money been going? By oh, the way, um, I, I was I was told many times that when it went to very rich people, what they would do is they would buy mm. things from the economy. They would buy you know the their yachts or their luxury watches yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and they do so. And then from that would enable me. And then therefore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'd... Tesco would have more money, yeah. and yeah, I, I can open up a small business selling yeah. Rolexes, and you know, get do very well for you myself. Like to be a Rolex repair woman. Um, I would choose a different brand yeah, but, than Rolex. But, but, but. Um, I, 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 think, I think actually Rolex is a fantastic example of artificial scarcity and of inflation, because a Rolex was historically a tool watch. You could buy one for $100, and uh, if, you look at the, if you graph the price of a Rolex next to average earnings in the US, you can see that it just takes off worse than housing does. Weird. We have entered the watch zone. But, but. You, genuinely, genuinely, the invention of watches as a luxury good is a phenomenon of the 70s onwards. Um, the thing I, I, I want to drive at, though, right here is we have these three components of price, labor, pro, labor cost, non-labor cost, and margin. Um, and all of them go up mm. because 
that is the nature of the uh, of having an economy where things grow all the time, right? That if you want to have yeah, growth, sure. you need to have these prices go up. Um, well, that's how it works. However, the non labor cost and margin have been growing at a faster rate than labor cost, and and the and you want to talk about where inflation is coming from? It's not coming from increased wages. Inflation is coming from a combination of record profit taking, but also more importantly, high non labor costs. And yeah. such as uh, energy, for example, is probably one of the biggest ones um, because it's you have a is your demand for it is um, y- your demand for it is is either constant or tends to expand, um, and yeah, which is a problem of capital's own making, both by like reckless use of energy, but also reckless energy mm-hmm. policy, decommissioning a bunch of nuclear power plants, failing to build yeah. new ones. It goes. It goes back all of the stuff that we're yeah, familiar and it with. It goes back to. It goes back to the idea of, uh, of of there being nowhere really, nowhere really left to profitably invest, not just here but well anywhere really, um, and mm. just t- stripping out the copper wiring because you know that's all there really is. Um, and, and 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 when we talk about when we talk about inflation as well, <laughs> try that in British railways. There's barely any copper wiring to strip. <laughs> well, when we talk about inflation as well, right? Uh, this is you cannot ignore that at the same time, at the same time as the um. As the uh, 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 British government is and and the sort of great and the good are calling for restraint on on wages for people who work in the rails. Uh, not only are many of the people who are in charge of it paid enormous amounts of money, but they're also trying to unrestrict what banks can pay bonuses to bankers yeah. to try and you know keep the city of London alive and um, uh, as a global financial center. And so, of course, what happens is those people's bonuses don't cause inflation. But uh, bonuses to people who uh, at, who work in the non-financial sector, for example, do cause inflation because I imagine the money is somehow magically different. But there is one very yeah, it's, yeah. It's there is one very 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 important difference, and this goes back to something I mentioned at the very very beginning of the show: why uh, the rail why the rail strike is good for you, uh, the listener, if you're in Britain. Sorry if you're not in Britain. Um, hmm. Uh, where it, be yeah. glad this is yeah, a good th- thing. this Keep often that. may not may not may not apply. Uh, this is not legal advice. <laughs> but right, what happens when um, what happens when a banker gets a large bonus is that tends to some of it is spent on luxury goods, maybe uh, invested in housing, uh, but a lot of it less than you think. Most yeah, of it yeah. just gets uh, the dark web things like that. Most of it just gets saved. Yeah, yeah. it gets stashed uh, overseas. Mm. Uh, it gets put into investments and so on and so on. But investments just in the, the, a the, the, they very quickly gets to a point where there is where you make more money than any reasonable person could yeah, spend. Yeah, yeah. And then what you do is and you hoard it. You don't actually use it. You invest. Yeah, yeah. you invest. And a lot of yeah. but what are you investing in? It might not be stuff here. Uh, it could be mm, could be absolute yeah. nonsense. Mm. It could be stuff that is like a reflection of an average of different investments. That like is it like six removes from any economic but activity? What happens when a train driver or a postal worker? Or someone who works at Heathrow uh, for BA gets more money. They spend it. Yeah, they Buys donate Rolex, it to the Russian military yachts <laughs> because <laughs> they hate that's it. right. Yeah, no, they um, they spend it. Mm-hmm. And what happens when they spend it? Maybe they go out to eat at a restaurant a little bit more. Maybe that restaurant, with its uh, mm-hmm. more um, uh, uh, with its greater uh, income, can pay to have something refurbished. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. builders are getting money. What happens is a union all of a sudden yeah. builders. It's the pound in your pocket. What happens? What happens yeah. is <laughs> a very strange thing happen happens. Money doesn't trickle down; it just trickles yeah. across. Uh, exactly. This is, and it goes to, and it's 
it is it is it's it's the the message really is that the better economy for everyone, the better life mm. for everyone is a cooperative endeavor that's primarily horizontal. It is not yeah. it is it, it is mm. I mean the idea that it was vertical has been shown to be nonsense. The idea that you can get it through seizing power uh through like um by like say taking over leapfrogging your guy to the leadership of one of the political parties for example mm. has been yeah. shown to regrettably <laughs> yeah. not work. Just to pick it Pick a random example. Get an yep. extremely bow tie mode and go. Well, for a very long time, people thought of the economy as being vertical, but actually, the economy has been shown to be horizontal. It's yeah. not a, <laughs> it's a side to side motion, not an up and down one. And, 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 but realistically, right? Like the it's the if you can raise your wage, and if someone else or someone who lives in your town can raise their wage, then what happens is you're preventing money from being stolen and exfiltrated. From out of where you can't get mm. it, and you don't—it doesn't even require this. What, what we're talking about here it doesn't require a seismic change in the way our society is structured. Much as I'm sure lots of us would like that to happen, it doesn't require it. We are within like an arm's grasp of that cha- of people of, of that horizontal improvement in people's lives. We're within an arm's reach of it. Like it's, all it requires is for government not to continue stripping back the functions of the state, mm. not to continue the fire sale. Like we we're not—we're so close to it. But no, no, that's it's, it's not allowed. And I think nope. it's, it also requires us uh, to re to reapproach the idea of managed decline, one that has been, I think, very, very sort of you know popular in in Britain. It's thought of as the the main mode for understanding this country since the 1970s. And I think managed decline is mm. is incorrect. It is a massive managed decline in the expectations and lives of most people. But the actual process that's, that's going on is a mass is a managed transfer of wealth. Uh, and services away yeah, from you. Yes, it is a yeah. managed theft. Yeah, I, I, I have a more concise version of this, yeah. which is it's a, it is a robbery. <laughs> yeah. It's what it's typically yeah. called. If a if a guy with a ski mask shows up and puts a knife in your ribs and goes, "Give me all your money," I'm going. I I, I object to this managed transfer of wealth <laughs> yeah. that's happening here. And, yeah. and, that the, and it's yeah. and that the way that that Sorry, is on, stopped. No, no. The way that that is fought is by, for example. Keeping uh, railway stations open by maintaining jobs, by maintaining the skill levels of jobs, by reducing the amount that goes into margin and putting it into labor, because then they give it to you. The amount, the way that that's done is by worker power, is by organizing and by industrial railway stations. So So you want to be on the train. Next thing you want to get off the train. Well, which is it? (laughs) You know, (laughs) you like the train so much, just stay on it. Jonathan Gullis, when did you get here? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Gullis is such a good surname for an India MP. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, that's Jonathan sort of Jonathan Gullis. That's sort of all I've got. But Jonathan it's uh, if you listen to the uh, the last free episode, we also mm. ended on a bit of a on a bit of a, an angry but optimistic note, and we're doing yeah. it again for this. podcasters union. Yeah, because there's good reason to be yeah. optimistic on account of how there's going to be a bunch Absolutely. of strikes, which are good. So, because yes. we love Putin. <laughs> exactly, that's why. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Gareth, any any final thoughts to leave our listeners with before I recommend they check out Rail Matter? Yeah, I, I think uh, go and uh, support the the RMT Strike Fund. Uh, is the first thing. Just go go and do that. Just just chuck them a fiver. Yep. Like honestly, just uh, uh, every little bit helps. Uh, go honk your horn at the uh, at the picket line. Do mm. do do. I mean, nicely. Honk it in a nice yeah. way. You know, honk <laughs> it <laughs> musically. Uh, uh, yeah, mm. generally generally just yeah, support the strikers. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, bin Twitter polls. Jeremy Vine did a Twitter poll. J- Jeremy Vine on five it did a Twitter poll, and thirty five thousand people 
uh, and ninety percent of them were pro strike. Yeah. So oh yeah, that's, 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 that's actually another case of based vine. Ge- ge- Many such cases. Mm. Yeah, um, that's right. I think that's about six times the number of people who are in the um, who are in the YouGov poll that government has been citing, uh, saying that people oppose the strikes. Uh, anyway, mm. uh, yeah, no, sorry, go yeah. go support the RMT. That's all. That's all yeah. I can say. Really, that's 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 what we need. To there do. will of course be a link in the description of this episode uh, to go and do exactly as Gareth says, and also do a picture of a train in case you were wondering what that is. Uh, yeah. A, vis- yeah. a nice visual. What have they been talking about this whole time? <laughs> yeah. I can't can't picture it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, with all that being said, uh, once you've supported the RMT and not before, uh, once you've done that, there also is a Patreon for five American dollars a month. You can get more of mm. our delicious content. Mm. American dollars or Russian yeah. rubles? I don't want five Russian five rubles, Russian a, month. rubles that's not, a month. That's, that's right. not that much. Yeah, I'm getting a carrier bag every month. Courtesy <laughs> 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 of you, the listener. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so right. thanks everybody and don't, don't forget our theme song is Here We Go by Jin Sang find it on Spotify listen to it early listen to it often mm. bye everyone that's right bye 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 bye